Welcome to the Big Self Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Prevost. We want to thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. We are here to help you become a student of yourself, giving you ideas you can use on your self-development journey. And we're launching our series on the Enneagram, as you may know, and think you'll love this. If you want to dive deeper into ways you can grow beyond your personality type, go to bigselfschool.com backslash Enneagram and download our free guide, How to Unlock Your Potential with the Enneagram. Again, that's bigselfschool.com backslash Enneagram. It's a free guide, and I think you're going to just love it as well as the conversation we're about to have. Welcome to our really second edition of a series that we're launching on the Enneagram, and we're kicking off the series by putting ourselves on the hot seat. And last week, I was, Shelly really put me on the hot seat. Uh, I was frying, but it led to some wonderful insights. It was a great conversation. And I, I think it was, it is a great example of how the Enneagram isn't just some typing mechanism. It's really, uh, if you open it up and you think about it as a system, it really is a tool to help you wrap around some fascinating insights about your own personality in order, and correct me if I'm wrong, ex Dr. Expert here on this, um, that's about to be on the hot seat, but it really helps you understand your personality so that ultimately the goal is to transcend personality, right? Right. And I'm no expert. Let me be clear. Oh, I'm still learning a lot I don't about know. the Enneagram. I think you're... Well, that's sweet. When you um, put it together with your other training in psychology, I think you're pretty much a Jedi. Okay. <laughs> uh, not, but well, thank you. Well, humility, um, okay. So, yeah, I think most people I, that I see kind of the Enneagram enthusiast using it as a, as a typing tool. Um, right. I'm a two or I'm a five or I'm a yeah. eight. Uh, right with a nine wing or you know that it's it's descriptive um and I'm learning and I'm using we're using it which is why we wanted to do these podcasts we're learning how to use it as a system for personal growth and really like significantly transformational ways like it's not just like little growth. It's big growth. What do you think about, just a quick aside, you know, the Enneagram's kind of gaining in, in popularity and that's like, it has two sides to it sort of, right? Like you can find topics on like the favorite sexual positions of the Enneagram type, you know, or what's the favorite food of the Enneagram type? Like, yeah. what do you think about the, like, are you glad that it's popular and it's being used in a lot of ways or is that really to the detriment? do you think of the Enneagram? Um, I, you know, I think it's ultimately good for, for, to, for people to be exposed to what it is because it is, um, it's such an old historic sacred tool that yeah. I think has lost a lot of life over time. And so for it to have this kind of um, reintroduction into modernity, into like really what's happening right now, um, I think it's ultimately a good thing. I do think 
Um, it does a big disservice though. It feels kind of bastardized if you just leave it there, which is what I think most people do. And, and quite frankly, I think most people do that with all personality tests. They just take a test online and they get their type and they're done. And, um, that's fine. But what I want to do and talk about through these podcasts is that there's so much more, uh, you'll never get to the end of exploration with the Enneagram in your lifetime because there's so much rich teachings and um, learnings to happen just just through your one type and learning about it. Yeah, and you're bringing on a lot of guests and some of these conversations have already heard you having them. Fascinating to hear multiple perspectives yeah, of each type. I wanted to have panels um, and have conversations of each type because they are the expert. They are the lived expert of that type. And so to really get into their stories and understand um, kind of how they see the world and how they're using the Enneagram to grow beyond their type is, is you know, really critical. And that's what I want to bring to the conversation right now. Awesome. Well, okay. Do you want to reveal to the world what your type is? I am a type two. I'm a self-preservation two. So self-preservation is my dominant instinct. Um, And so self-preservation two is my subtype. Okay. So, and that puts you in a, um, one of the heart types as well. Right. Twos, threes, and fours. Uh, And just, if you could, I know it's a broad question, but could you just tell us very generally speaking, what is your experience as a heart type? Uh, And, you know, how does this kind of intelligence specific, you know, how does it come out in leadership, your Mm -hmm. leadership? Yeah, I think probably the, the, what we think about is emotional intelligence. Um, Those are probably the heart types. It's, um, we connect with people through emotions. We feel, um, you know, even when we don't want to, we feel things and it's, it's very natural for us. This is like instinctive kind of, we don't have to put much effort into emotional work, um, well, that's not true. I think it is. It is a lot of work, but it's natural to us. And I don't. And I think we um, have a wiring toward connecting with people pretty easily. Like that's something that. And this is true of of, of heart types. All heart types okay. are feelers, are emotional, are heart centered. We vibrate on this emotional level with people unconsciously. It's not something that we do. We we do this unlike the body types or the head types who have their own center of, intel- right. of intelligence. Uh, but all heart types uh, pick up and kind of re- reverberate on an emotional level in a very unconscious way. And then, you know, we do different things with those emotions uh, based on our type. But that kind of connecting with people and connecting with emotions is something that hard types do really well. Well, it sounds very much like you, but let's narrow in a little bit more, uh, not just a heart type broadly, but tell us a little bit about when you think of a type two, you know, there's a few definable characteristics. What are a couple of things that you would say just shine or really pop in terms of a description about a two? Yeah, I think it's important for me to say, like, it took me a long time to land on my type. Um, I just really struggled. I knew I was a heart type, um, but, I, you know, for probably a year, I thought I might be a three. 
And it's interesting, by the way. And I just want to say, like, I've, you know, um, B, Beatrice Chestnut, I've heard Hi, her, <laughs> I've heard her and Uranio on their uh, podcast on the Enneagram talk about how many people mistype themselves in a lot of the different ways that mm-hmm. they do. Sometimes it doesn't, even if it took you though a long time to really, really dig in and figure out your type, that that's not necessarily a bad thing not at, at all. all. Some yeah. people, it nails them and they know it. And some people don't get there until they really understand the subtypes. Yep. And that was true for me. Um, okay. Yeah. And I think if you, if it takes a long time to land on your type, that's part of the process. It's part of the learning. That's part of the journey. And some people have to go through, you know, wander through several other types before they get to theirs. Um, and I just, I think that for me, that was just part of what I had to go through. So I remember I was driving to Atlanta and I was listening to B's book, uh, The Complete Enneagram in my car and she got to the type two. Um, and initially I thought I was a social two. And I remember, uh, listening to her read that part of it or the, the, you know, narrator. And I just started crying in the car and I was like, I felt so exposed and I felt so like, um, vulnerable. I mean, no one's in the car with me, but I'm like, that's how people see me because it's true. And the thing that, that she's talking about that really resonated was this idea of being a strategic helper. So I don't, um, and this is the thing too, <laughs> don't want you all to know, but it's true. Mm-hmm. We don't really love, I mean, some Help do, me. some probably love it. Most twos do it for a purpose. We are trying to, um, you know, if I can meet your needs, um, or help you or do something for you, then you will like me. Um, That's a big one for a lot of twos. Um, And you'll like me so much that then I become indispensable to you um, because then you'll need me. Um, And yeah, and I think twos have a really hard time. I have a hard time. I'm better at it, but have had a hard time figuring out my needs. Um, you know, mostly physically, but also emotionally and just kind of in general. Because like, you guys do tend to repress your own needs and right. feelings. Yeah. I, and, and we, we do it. Um, I do it because it's, um, I cry. That's why I'm like, I don't want to feel all this because when it starts to bubble up, it feels, um, unmanageable. And then, you know, and I, when I was growing up and I've told this story to a lot of people, but I've, I remember like being told I was too sensitive or, um, you know, you're just, you're so, you're too emotional. And it was this, I think it was the, the two in me that was, um, just really picking up on some, such an emotional level of what was happening around me. And I didn't know what to do with all that. Um, and so as a self-preservation type, I've learned that, that we're a little anxious. We're a little, um, you know, we can feel a little fragile. And so I think all these big emotions for me as a type two have always been kind of overwhelming. And so, um, that's where I repress. I just don't, I can easily feel overwhelmed with a lot of those emotions. And I suppose that twos being considered helpers, you know, you might not think, well, twos are leaders too. Uh, how do twos lead 
when they do, um, you know, and what do you think, like, what do you think their greatest strengths are? And then what do you think um, they most might need to work on as leaders? I think that twos as leaders, um, we are really easy connectors because we're kind of, we're warm. We can be charming. Um, I think we get along really well with people. We put people at ease. You know, that's one of our strategies. Um, and emotional intelligence, uh, I think, is is probably the biggest strength that we bring to uh, a team or a workplace. Yeah. Um, I think the um, downside of a lot of that is... Uh, what I hate to admit, but I know it's true, is that underneath that, and even at a really unconscious level, there can be a lot of manipulation um, that we struggle to be direct, I think, with um, especially in workplaces and leadership capacity. I know I have. I can be very indirect. Um, and then when I feel like things aren't happening the way that I want them to, or need them to, then I can, um, I get crafty and I kind of, I can start working behind the scenes to manipulate people or the situation to get the outcome that I want. Um, and I'm doing that less. I, I think I'm, I've, I'm catching myself when I have that kind of tendency, but it is something that, um, I've not been as aware of over the years. Is it because you think that twos want to be liked so much? And so they're afraid to maybe push a little harder than they, than they right. should. Yeah. Well, okay. I think, I think for me, it's fear of what I'm going to get back. So you may not like me is one thing, but you may in fact, either re- like you might reject me. You might decide that I'm too much uh, or we might have conflict um, and I don't want to fight with people. So it's like, I don't want to express directly what I need or what I would like. And so I can kind of control the situation to get what I'd like. But are two, do you think twos are necessarily conflict avoidant? Is that a de- definite? I think we can be. I mean, that's not a defining characteristic okay. of it. I don't think. Um, but Certainly. I think when our, when your operating strategy is, is that I can get anybody to like me, which is what twos think. I I think the last thing we want to do then is piss people off. And so if I'm really direct and say what I think or tell you what to do, then that, that can evoke a lot of uncomfortable emotions. You and your spiritual growth is the passion of pride. Ooh, yeah. You know, um, so twos, well, tell us a little bit about what this is mm. and, you know, how is this, I think, let's keep bringing it back to leadership style, mm-hmm. you know, like how is pride, you know, emerged oh, in your leadership yeah, style? Yeah. Um, and yeah, any stories so, you'd like to share on that? What I can say is that I, f- I feel like I've been plagued by this for so long and I never had a word for it. Mm -hmm. I never could figure out like, what is this thing that I feel better? Like I know more than people, but I also feel really small and like, I don't know anything. So pride does that. Pride is like this kind of, um, it's an emotional 
pattern that I have that it inflates my sense of self, but it also deflates it and makes me shrink and be feel small. And I think part of the way I've compensated is to try to be bigger, try to do more, try to be better. Um, and I remember like at my old job with lamppost, like how, um, I would feel that way a lot. Like why won't people just listen to me and do what I'm telling them to do? And they would be so much happier. And that's pride. And I remember, I feel that way with you guys sometimes like with you and the kids. It's like, no, I can say how it comes up in, in marriage. Yeah. (laughs) I'll be like, you're kind of being a little self-righteous. Yes. Yeah. And that's the word that my partners would say at times, like what you're being, you're being self-righteous. Like you have all the answers. And I didn't realize, um, well, I did realize that that's what I, there's a part of me that very much feels that way. And it's like this, um, this God complex, you know, pride is really feeling like you know more or you're better. Um, and that you, you're puffed up a little bit. And so now having a word for it and understanding that, that that pattern was alive and well, and that's what people have seen in me that I, um, I don't even think I could see it in myself. And so that under, that's probably the most powerful thing that the Enneagram has brought to me over the last few years is landing on my type and understanding this emotional pattern of pride and how it's, um, inflated me, made me better than I am and then deflated me too, making me worse than I am. And so finding this kind of neutral, sense of self. Um, and I remember my grandmother would always say, Oh, I'm going to cry. It was actually mama and papa both would say, you're as good as anyone and you're better than no one. Well, if I may, you know, it was, what's interesting to me in learning a little bit about the passion of the pride is by contrast, there's sort of the virtue in the two of humility Right. And Uranio Pice uh, talks about humility as not needing to see yourself as more important than you are. Mm. So, and apparently, twos, you you all have an adaptive strategy of being able to to downgrade yourselves without losing your sense of self. Well, that's humility. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And humility. I, I think that's the inner work, and that's definitely the work I'm doing right now. Um, okay. Yeah, I think it's the mantra that I keep coming back to is that I'm not that special, you know, and I think there's so much in self-help and so much in personal growth, you know, jargon. That's like, you, you're supposed to have confidence and puff up and feel good. And it's yeah, like, fight the, that inner critic. Right. And I think the two, it's the opposite. Like we've got to humble ourselves. We've got to pull back and let go and separate and detach and, and realize that we we are no one. We don't have all the answers. Like I, I don't know. There's so much I, I don't know. And I think coming to um, all the work I'm doing right now with this spirit of humility is, it's actually really relieving. Um, it's been, uh, you know, I'm at a stage where I get very um, frustrated with the pride and it's kind of grip on my life and on my career and, you know, all these things. And now to see like 
how to observe how pride has been operating so much um, has been really frustrating and uh, you know just tiring. Like it's like God, there it is again. Oh my gosh! And so seeing that and then starting to actively and consciously replace it with how can I be small here? How can I be humble? How can I be neutral? Um, that detachment from pride has been a huge source of relief. And, you know, we've talked about this with even our big self school, like being able to get out of pride has helped me finally like really clear up who I am and the work I need to be doing. Um, Okay. Yeah. Well, let's come back to that uh, a little bit because right now I want to also talk about, well, when you are in inevitably, you know, in work situations, especially stressful moments are going to come up, right? Whether we're hitting a deadline, whether somebody isn't hitting a deadline, uh, what, whatever the dynamics may be. So let's like, what is your, if you're in a stressful situation at work, like, you know, what, how do you tend to respond to it? And let's just talk about that right now. So as a two, I think it, it depends on a couple things. Um, so I think if there's um, acute stress, you know, my um, response typically, which is, oh, it's terrible, but I look for blame and I look to discharge my emotions, uh, usually anger, frustration, onto someone else that I feel like um, deserves it. More than I do. <laughs> I mean, this sounds familiar. Like a lot of people would probably, a lot yeah. of times might respond. But I do, I think that's an immature response. That's somebody who's not like self-regulating very well. So, but that's definitely been me. I mean, I've, even at work, like I would, um, I think people find it hard to believe, but my old business partners would not find it hard to believe that I have this um, under stress, I have this kind of uh, wicked temper where I just pop off and I get so angry and I look for somebody to put it on. Yeah. Um, yeah. I did see that come out in you at times um, during those years. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, Shelly has a temper. Yeah. Well, you probably saw a little bit before. I mean, a, cu- a little bit here yeah, and there. When the stakes are high and there's high stress, um, it's not pretty. Like I've really, I've really had to understand like that, uh, why I do that. Like, why am I doing that? And it is about discharging all these emotions on somebody else. Cause I just can't yeah. do it. <laughs> but I also like, um, I think too, for me, stress and, you know, people that know me and know our podcast and know our business, it's so much about burnout. And so, um, I don't really manage stress that well. Like I just kind of plow through, uh, which is why I thought I was a three for a long time. But, um, you know, twos do it too. We are doing and feeling kind of constantly. And so, um, stress builds up a lot for me and then I crash. And so that's another pattern that I'm really trying to break 
Uh, and I think I, I am breaking it. I'm, I think I'm doing that. Well, okay. And that brings us back to your growth path. You've been talking about, you talked about pride and, you know, maybe the growth path was through uh, humility, but, um, but can, can you expand on that? Have you already said everything you need to, or what does the growth path look like for you in terms of how you're using yeah. uh, the Enneagram? So. The other thing I'll add to the humility is that I do start my day now um, with my, you know, my morning startup that I do with my full focus planner. That is right. Um, You really do. I start it by literally looking at what's the smallest thing I can do today to make the biggest impact. Where before, I mean, even the name of our company our big self school. Like there's this mm-hmm. inflation that, um, and it's not actually what it means. It's, it's not about being big at all. It's about being true. Uh, but I do like, I'm, I'm much more engaged with how can I create more intentionally create more humility in my day. And I am looking for ways to be anonymous ways to, um, be more um, like that I'm not the sole bearer, the sole owner of any truth. Like I don't have the answers. And so I'm trying to really challenge that belief and put it back on other people that they have the answers that I need to learn from and listen to. Um, So I do, I I think that's the main thing I start my day with is like, it doesn't have to be over the top and big and like braggy, like just do something simple and small today and see how, far that gets things going. Okay. That's, that's cool. Well, uh, you know, we do talk about, um, a couple of other dynamics when we think about the Enneagram, uh, we, we talk about, uh, the wings, of course, many people are familiar with wings. They'll be like, I'm a three, three wing too, you know, and you're, and you're like, okay, but do you really, understand what that means but um but but wings are applicable right they do yeah yeah they um where you're positioned um between two other points on the spectrum so before we and the other is arrows the growth paths through arrows but tell us tell us a little bit about um you being wedged between a type you have a one wing and a three wing which wing do you think is more dominant and which wing do you think needs more development for full flight yeah um i love that um so Lately, um, I've had a more dominant three wing um, because I, I thought I was a three for a long time. I was I see a lot of three characteristics mm-hmm. in my life. Um, I think I've moved unconsciously to integrating some of the three characteristics, and it's been pretty bad for me <laughs> um, in terms of like task oriented. Um, I think I have in my emotional repression where I've just get into go mode um, and I lose touch with what I'm feeling. I lose touch with important relationships in my life. I lose touch with my body. Like that's something that I'm just now kind of reconnecting to my body and getting back into exercise or exercising, not getting back into it. (laughs) I never did it. Um, But I think, yeah, like the three, um, I have over-indexed on that wing for a very long time. And now, like, 
I'm trying to be more consciously aware of my one wing characteristics. I think that's why, honestly, I love the full focus planner so much because <laughs> there's some order and rhythm to what I'm producing. It's not manic. Like I, I have been doing it. It's more methodical and yeah. there's a, there's a point, there's a, everything kind of rolls up into these these several goals and like, like it just feels safe. It feels like, okay, there's Mm. a, there's a plan here. Um, I think that's a lot of my one wing that I'm consciously trying to use more so that I can go back to this three dominant wing and just get a lot of stuff done, (laughs) (laughs) but with a little more order, less chaos. Yeah. It's not just a to-do list. It's, there is, there is, which, you know, I think note to self, right? Right. Because <laughs> um, I'm not quite using it as, as mm-hmm. perfectionistically as you are. I, uh, <laughs> no, I am using it. Um, diligently. Effectively. Diligently. Um, systematically. Uh, well, tell us a little bit about arrows. Tell our audience about arrows. And yeah. then for you, what they're and it goes to a four in growth and an eight in stress. Yes. So my arrow against, it goes to four. Um, and some people call that the child heart center. So the arrow, it, it's different people talk about it differently. Some say it's your growth uh, path. Some say it's your, your soul type. Like, you know, there's different ways to talk about it. Um, but going back going the arrow against is my four, and so which is what you are. Um, and so I'm when I'm learning from fours, and I would put you into this, um, is like for me, it's a lot of solitude. It's a lot of introspection. Um, it's a lot of like naming my feelings and just letting them be what they are. Um, it's... Um, pursuing my feelings. I think there's something I've kind of historically have kind of been tolerant of my emotions, but seeing you and I, you know, think other fours that I know, they like pursue their feelings. It's like, no, these are good. These are rich. They're really important. And so make time for them. Um, And I think the creativity comes from my four arrow as well. Um, I, when I'm writing or when I'm, um, you know, thinking about any kind of creative, creative tasks and giving myself permission to do that, that's a lot from watching you like play guitar or write music or like really letting that, that creative uh, process be as important as all the other stuff that I do in my life. And then the the arrow two, the arrow toward is to eight, which some people say it's stress, the stress arrow. Um, That has been real hard for me because I've, um, I think the eights I've worked with in my life, I think are um, not super self-aware. And so they can be intimidating. I can, I feel myself shrink. I feel myself like, avoid them because there is, there's a tendency to have some conflict. And, but I also like the, the eight panel we just talked to these beautiful people who are just doing this really great work. And now I, and I see eights is 
that's exactly what I need to do. That's exactly where I need to go. And they're direct. They're um, inhabit their bodies. They're they're strong people. They kind of like have have this strength in them. And I'm a self preservation type, so I think there is this like people can't see what I'm doing now, but it's like this cowering almost like to take, I want to take care of myself. And the eights I see is like, you know, even just having so much more energy and bringing that into everything I do. And I was, when I did the workshop on Monday with the chamber, I was really aware of like bringing eight energy. Like I wanted to walk around, rock, walk around the room. I wanted to like take up a little bit more space. I wanted to like be commanding and confident and know exactly what I was doing. And, and it did like being aware of that eight energy really did. It did something. It shifted me, um, in a way that I've, I've not felt before. Wow. That's great. Uh, okay. Well, let's see. Final question for the hot seat, uh, for Shelly. Uh, what has, so you've been doing a lot of growth and I know you've been observing yourself and a lot of your habits. You've talked about that. Well, what has, what would you say has been the effect of your growth on the people around you? What have you been, you know, what have you seen or, or been told? Mm, well, you'd have to tell me that. I think, I think it's, um, I'd like to think that, um, there's a little bit more calmness, a little bit more um, unhooking from reactivity. I think I, I don't feel, I don't see myself getting as reactive uh, because I have language for understanding not only my experience as a two, but your experience as a four, you know, our kids' experiences based on what we think their types are. Um, so I I don't get as hooked. I I don't feel like I do. I mean, I do of course still get reactive, but it doesn't it doesn't plague me and like these kind of uncom- like where did that come from? It's like no, when I react now, I know exactly where it's coming from. Um I have a name for it. I know where we're kind of butting heads and why. Um what do you think? What would you say the effects have been? Uh, yeah, I, I do see more of a calm in, in you. Um, I think it's, you know, situational um, in some in some cases. Uh, like, I think, yeah, with, say with our oldest son, you know, of course, you and I are both coming into this, but there is there's a letting go of, you know, if, hey, if he's not getting up to go to his work, you know, that's, that's mm-hmm. not our cross to bear. It's not our, our, our thing. That's him. Yeah. Um, I, I do see you being, uh, a little less reactive, um, and, and less ready to go to stress. Sometimes, sometimes it seems like it comes pretty natural. And then sometimes I could tell you're really working on it. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think naming my emotions, which is so funny because we've always done emotion coaching with our kids and helping them name emotions. Yeah. But sometimes I have to name my emotions and like they're they're all there and they're swirling, but I don't stop to really understand them sometimes and get get deep into them and like why is this happening? Why am I feeling this way? Um and I think the other thing with uh, work and career, I feel like I'm getting out of my own way. 
I feel oh. like I'm, um, there's a settling into like an acceptance of who I am yeah, and what work I, I mean, people have told me for a very long time, like you need to coach, you need to, why aren't you coaching? Would yeah. you coach me? And I've always said, no, like, I felt like it was like, I needed to be doing more than that or something better than, that. I don't know why, but now I'm just like, no, that's pride. That's, that's all that is. And so now I can um, respond differently and really step into helping people in a really powerful way that I've been able to do just because I've gotten out of my own way. Wow. And that's been yeah. probably the best thing that I've gotten from working with the Enneagram so far. And I like also, uh, as, as another thought, you know, you've talked... You talk a little bit about how there's certain things in your life that you could know you're supposed to do, but until you put together a system, you weren't able to get any like real traction. Like right. uh, yeah. what you say, like working until you just like, I need to go, you know, three times a week to the Y and have a group of people and a program. And then I'm going to, then I'm going to, I'm going to actually do that. Uh, also, you know, you talked about how you've done intensive therapy for many, many years. Long time. Uh, it depends on how you're keeping score, but you know, the better part of two decades. Uh, and, and yet there were still some like toeholds of understanding, self-understanding that eluded you mm-hmm. and that the system of this Enneagram has helped give, I guess, language and some starting points to bring in a deeper awareness. Yeah. And understanding it as a map, I think, has been really helpful for me. It's not this static um, test. and then, But it really is like finding your type, as long as that may take, but finding your type is the starting point. And then, you know, the, the Enneagram, the symbol... They call it process enneagram, and it really is fluid. Like it's a it's a way that we move through the symbol and all the nine types through the wings and the arrows, and um, that you grow, that you become a whole person. Like you move around this map, and you learn what you need to learn, and that's that's the point of self development work is to rise above, rise out of kind of this box that I think intuitively I knew I was living in and knew that it was holding me back, but to understand it and then to see how I can get out of it has been life-changing for sure. And it helps, uh, you know, I think some people could be like, yeah, uh, well, why, you know, just on a basic level, why am I supposed to, uh, you know, understand myself more? Uh, And I just, and I think we, we do frame a lot of the conversations around, leadership or in workplace for, for one large reason is that that is where so many of the relationships we're forced to encounter and deal with. Uh, it's, it's in real, it's coming at us fast. Sometimes mm-hmm. there's a lot of pressure and stress, a lot of different levels of other people's self-awareness. Yeah. Yeah. But if you can grow in your own awareness, um, you're going to approach all of that differently. Yeah. And where you find stress right now, you can find calm. Like you can come at these moments with just a whole different toolbox of, of things to use. Um, and, that, and that's what I tell people. I think this is, this is the, if, if you want to do self-development work, 
use the Enneagram. If you're not interested in self-development work, then then don't bother with it. Like, don't, you know, why care that you're a type two? Um, if you want to work with it, I think there's n- nothing better than, than the Enneagram. Yeah, it's a unique system. It's not just another personality typing mechanism. So uh, it has been wonderful. Shelly, you you are now off the hot seat. Thank you. Yeah. That wasn't so bad. That wasn't too uncomfortable, was it? I only cried once. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I can get to really grilling pretty aggressively here. You did good. Uh, thanks again for tuning in to the Big Self Podcast. We are here for you in learning life, leadership, and love. Don't forget to check out our free guide to the Enneagram, How to Unlock Your Potential with the Enneagram at bigselfschool.com backslash Enneagram. And we look forward to seeing you next week.